0: to the Central Station Podcast, where we bring you true stories of what life in the outback is really like and why many wouldn't live anywhere else. So pull up a stump, pop the billy on, or crack a cold one as we talk to the men and women who call some of the most remote parts of Australia home.
1: This episode is part two of our chat with Willie Cook. If you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to it first. Trust me, you don't want to listen to these episodes back to front. And yes, I know some of you do that. In this episode, Willie shares what it was really like being filmed for the TV series Outback Ringer, and what he thought about the final product. He also speaks candidly about the challenges he faced in 2023 and how it's impacted his plans for 2024. With having the boys out there, did you ever get nervous and scared? Having them like bull catching, buffalo catching, it can be bloody dangerous.
0: Yeah. Well, they, I mean, we always knew where they were and they were generally, they were either in the truck and the road train or, um, in the pickup truck and they knew never to get out. Um, when they, especially when they were younger as they grew older. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they drive the water cart and they'll go from buffalo to buffalo as we're catching them and water them. And they're a good little team, eh? So, I mean, yep, they can drive that. They water them and it's really good for them. Like I like having the kids with me because. They're the next generation coming through and they're learning from that age the systems and procedures that need to happen to do it. And plus they're learning a lot of safety, you know, and hopefully it'll become second nature for them so that if they're ever, you know, lucky enough to run their own operations or own a place, they've got the skill set to do it.
1: Speaking of safety, let's like shift the conversation to that now.
0: Lizzie's been amazing in that department and, like, I've sort of been one of these people that, you know, as long as we've got it planned well and we don't dwell on it, go and do your job. Like someone, a guy once said to me, you know, flying a helicopter is the easiest thing in the world. All you got to do is you got to pull it out of the hangar and go to work and put it back in the hangar at the end of the day. And like just when you break it down like that, it's, you know, it becomes a bit more simplistic. So, yeah, these guys have done it a fair bit. You know, they've caught a lot of balls. And training is the big thing for us. And a lot of conversations. And I've always been one of those people like, you're never going to get yelled at. If you don't know what you're doing, you know, if you don't know, ask. I'd rather that. Like, and it can be, there's no such thing as a stupid question. And I prefer it. Like, and generally when we first start the year, we're all together and we'll catch the first one and we'll go through the whole system and procedures together from putting it on the tree or then loading it on the truck. We just do it all together and do that first one. So if there's any newbies in the group, then they've got a good understanding of it. And generally as well at nights, like we're all, you know while we're eating dinner we're telling different stories of the day and you know if someone doesn't know something or new guys come into the crew then you're able to explain it so they've got a concept in the head before you even go out but i mean it's repetition and doing it right is the uh, is the big things like as simple as you know being on leaning back and being on your back foot when you go to put the chain on a buffalo and you know that saves your mouth and your teeth um so you don't get hit you know there's lots of you know, body positions, not putting your arm through the barn doors to collect the chain, you know, all these simple things that we have and use and everyone knows it. And, and we just try and work on it like that. And like from, and especially when the ball was going on the truck, everyone's got to be beside a ball catcher or on the truck on their position to receive the ball into the truck. So we just try and minimize it. Yeah. Minimize the risk is the big thing. And, um, and Lizzie's very good at that. And yeah, it is, it is scary in today's world because if anything does go wrong, you know, you know what this world's like now. Accountability is yeah. everything. No one actually gives a shit about who's been injured. The ones they care about is who's responsible for it. So that's been a big part of it too, because of what's happened that even if I'm not there or it's not my fault or, you know, I'm still res- the at the end of the day, the butt yeah. stops with me. So all is. And, um, so that's why we've tried to put as much time and effort into those fellas that we can, you know, and you know, pretty quick too. I mean, Unfortunately, sometimes staff members don't work out. They're not suited to the role or whatever. And, and unfortunately, it just comes down to a safety issue. If you're not right, they've got to go. May yeah, not be the best um, place for them. So,
1: walking liability, otherwise, I guess. Yeah,
0: like- 100%. But, you know, I have definitely been lucky, whether it's in a, you know, driving a bullcatcher with an arm or like one of my good friends, Buddha, who, um, Brendan Avery, who, in my opinion, is probably one of the best in the country on a four-wheeler. Man, he's unreal. You know, he's been doing it a hell of a long time. He's got his sort of safety procedures, and that's probably a, a big thing as well as you know, having trust in your fellas. But, man, Buddha Buddha's unreal, and um, he's caught a lot of bulls for us too and, um, yeah, and does it so gently and such good techniques. And, um, you know, and that's where it's really good, you know, like seeing when you're watching someone who can – you know, blade an animal around like Buddha and then just, you know, just gently just put it on the ground right by a tree and just in a blink of an eye and then it's strapped up or roped straight to the tree. And when you're seeing all that going, you realize, you know, that it's your staff and your, your good fellas around you that make the operation not only productive but safe. When you're sitting there in the helicopter and you're flying along, getting ready to run a bull out into position and you see someone there with a camera, I just hate it. You know, and I think they're very dangerous. Not only it takes away your concentration and that's why we actually banned them from when we were bull catching because I wanted people to be actually focusing on the job that they're paid for rather than trying to build a social media bloody empire. And, um, <laughs> you know, and that's the problem. Like a lot of these things do end up on social media and not just our camp, you know, like there's a lot of people out there that do go and roll a ball and catch balls or do whatever and it ends up on social media and it's open to interpretation then and what we think may look really really good is something that can actually cause a hell of a stink and it's really not good for our industry and there's been a few situations where you know photos and videos have leaked or made it onto a platform that um, yeah someone with no concept or no idea about our situation has got a hold of and it's raise some red flags for the industry and it's something that yeah we have to be extremely careful with um 100 percent. and we were sort of hoping that you know with Outback ringer that would sort of provide an interpretation of what we do and how we look after the animals and and sort of the, the concept of the whole operation you know and, and I think that did work really really well and yeah and you know that's something that took a long time to get off the ground and it was with you know um tommy lawrence a good friend who's the creator of outback ringer come up with the concept and ash dunn one of the cameramen and you know and we've, we've had some wonderful times filming that yeah and they, i felt they were pretty pretty damn good um you know they took a lot of footage and put themselves in some pretty amazing positions here to get the right shots and that and they're quick on their feet those boys that's for sure yeah it was just so much fun and um yeah so i, I was sort of hoping that that would sort of show our industry in in a reasonably good light you know that was we definitely didn't want to do anything that um you know was detrimental towards it um and yeah so no, we were really really happy with it and what it showed and what we were sort of doing
1: it's a hard a hard situation and not just with ball catching but i think like anything up here because you want to be able to get all of australia interested into and, and to learn about it and know about it but at the end of the day like drama is what sells so uh. even if someone's like we're going to come out and make this like documentary on you they're gonna want some kind of drama, and I have to admit, oh, I they got that. Yeah, yeah, like and so yeah.
0: that's
1: it's trying to. It's almost like we need to create our own series where we're like the executive <laughs> yeah. producers, and we have, but you know, then it would probably be too well, boring. It'd be
0: boring. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's the problem. Um, that is one of the things with um Outback Ringer, and we did, we actually didn't re- weren't really made aware of this until we started getting the fine cuts coming through or the rough cuts coming through to us, and you know, like some of these some of the storylines, like I was I. Was like, Jesus, how the hell did they make that out of that? <laughs> yeah, you know, I felt really bad. Um, well, poor old Cheryl on the first day, like, um, when he crashed that bull catcher and hit that ditch, like, they made it look as though, and, and this isn't Tommy and Ash or by any means, they're the great cameraman and that it was more of the editing and, um, Sydney, you know, that was one thing I didn't like too much. So, you know, they built the anticipation and the excitement. I mean, we'd caught 47 bulls for that day before that happened, but they, they sort of had come across as though that was the first run of the morning, you know, and we'd had nothing caught, but yeah, we'd we had a great run that day, and I was like, oh well, it's all right, we can fix it. Yeah, I was toey that he'd bugged the catcher, but you know, it's all fixable. And and then you know, we have some days there we were catching sixties and seventies, but like it was getting boring because it was just bang, bang, bang. Yeah. And I remember one of the guys was there, one of the producers, and he was like, "Can something break soon or do something, <laughs> Willie?" Because it's going to be boring for the cam, you know, for the people watching. And so I, I understand the concept and what they need to do. But I mean, look, I'm I'm bloody proud to be a part of it, you know. And it, and it's been been a good thing. And I I really hope we can do more and and maybe change the direction of it a little too, you know. And um yeah, we've got some great ideas that we'd like to do moving forward. And yeah, so we'll just have to wait now. And you know, hopefully this year, and we have a chat about filming and what's going to happen and whether or not we can bring in some of these other ideas and concepts to it.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, it's the, I can totally understand from their perspective, like, you know, sexy cells. It's like Married at First Sight. Like, we know, I mean, really, if you sign up to that show, you know you're not going to fall in love. You're just going to get traumatized psychologically yeah. on national TV. But we're all still going to sit down oh, and watch it. it so we way a
0: bit traumatic, though. Like, Lizzie and I, I mean, for the people who have watched Outback Ringer, we have, yeah, we did have a, a little bit of an argument on it. And I was like, oh, my God, just... Please cut that out. But no, they had to have that. Oh, right, it'd be, it, gold. <laughs> it'd be gold. It'd be gold. I think I've of those, seen a
1: clip of that on Facebook. Yeah, actually. a
0: couple of those memes that come out when I did. It, it actually was my fault. I did knock the two-way switch. Um, <laughs> I turned it off. I didn't mean to. I I was flicking between the channel com selectors. I was talking to one of my other pilots, and and then you flick back to Liz on the ground, and I. I don't know how I done it. but I flicked the switch and holy shit! When I turned it, I was like, "Oh, haven't heard from Liz for a bit." And then I flicked it on, and there was just <laughs> holy shit. Yeah, she wasn't real happy with me. I, oh. I did feel bad for her, but um, uh, she handled that situation well, so it was all good. We were so lucky with back Ringer and the cameraman, and like as I was saying, Tommy Lawrence, the you know, come and develop the concept of it, and and Ash Dunn, one of the cameramen, Trev Robinson, the soundo. Um, look, there's so many other people that come down and are involved in it, but. They were amazing and what cameramen. Yeah, it was, it was just phenomenal. And, um, Tommy and Ash, especially God, they could get those shots and you know, and it was pretty cool because it was a documentary that it was supposed to be basically a documentary, um, that they followed us and what we did. So we actually had a lot more control, you know, some respects of it. and, And they were basically just filming what we were doing different to say like a scripted movie, you know, um, and there weren't too many people involved in it. Those cameramen are just unbelievable and they work so hard and to get their shots, like I'd be running balls out on a flat and I'd be like, wonder where the hell Tommy is at the moment. Like, and, um, next thing you'd see him, um, jammed in against an ant bed there and, and he's just getting them, you know, he might be 10 meters from the, as the ball's running past and Tommy's right there and got the shot. And then just as the ball gets armed and swings to the left, Ash is right behind that tree that, um, that the ball catch is going to, to, to tie the ball up. So, we really owe a lot of that to their fantastic photography work. Yeah, and it was such a blast to spend time with those guys and and Trev Robinson, who's the soundo man. So Trev had a solar, uh, a big like panel on top of his truck, and we all were mic'd up, and then everything we said would go back to that truck, and then Trev would um, narrate it from there. And, film it and oh, we used to have so many laughs with Trev I won't tell you exactly what we used yeah. to say but <laughs> we used to stitch him up a fair bit but, but yeah it was they were just a really neat bunch of guys to work with and you know obviously very thankful to Ben Davies um, from Rondi Media Ben you know produced it and and helped make it all happen and um we're very, very thankful for all those guys. And, um, and they, yeah, they were, they were brilliant to work with. Yeah. We're very, very proud to have been a part of it. And, you know, and as I say, moving forward, we'd, we'd really like to do more of that stuff. Yeah. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, there were a few challenging times, but you know, there was nothing better than the end of the day. And we'd come back and we're all gears already and we'd all have a beer and a laugh. And, and they're just such tough guys, you know, and so passionate about the, the filming as well. And, I just really enjoyed being a part of it. And so hopefully we can, hopefully we can make more stuff.
1: I hope so. Cause I'd love to get them on the podcast and, and hear it from their perspective. Because I know when I'm behind a camera, like you've got to really focus on getting your shot that you don't necessarily have your wits about you. So you're focusing yeah. on this and there could be a bull coming to smoke you from the side, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so they'll have much bigger, heavier gear, you know, and they're focusing on their job. Yeah. yeah
0: they've, yeah, they're what- pretty well drilled with everything. But I'll, I'll tell you one funny story. I used to, What used to piss me off if anything went wrong, Tommy would come straight up to me with the camera and go, Now Willie and I'm still fucking seething or grinding my (laughs) teeth for something that's happened and go, Now Willie, can you talk me through it? And I'd just be like and I'd just grip my teeth and then I'd look at the camera and go, Yep, okay. So what's actually happened here? Blah, 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 blah. And it used to piss me (laughs) off. I go, Fuck Tommy, I hate it when you do that. Well, we got Tommy back last year. So Tommy sat a thirty thousand dollar camera down in front of one of my bullcatcher drivers. We're all just sitting there waiting, and they were getting GoPros ready and that. And then Tommy's like, "Righto, okay, we can go." And then, both Bailey drives forward and ran over Tommy's camera, and Tommy's like, "You are kidding me!" And then I grabbed the other camera that Ash had, and I ran over to Tommy and pushed record. I said, "Now, Tommy, can you tell me what's happened here?" Um. Blah, blah, blah. And Tommy's looking at me like this. And then, and to his credit, he gave his interview, he said, well, what's happened here? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, so how's this going to affect the filming of Outback Ringer? You know, um, are we going to meet the targets now that we don't have the cameras, Tommy? And then he goes, <laughs> right. Oh, Willie. Okay. Shut up. I get your point. <laughs> I get your point. Like credit to Tommy. He just took it. But yeah. So, um, I felt really bad about that, but poor old Bailey. He, yeah, he just drove forward. And Tommy had set the camera right in front of it in the shade of the bullcatch, you see. Oh. Dish done. But, yeah, what a great experience and great fellas to work with. So, um, yeah, let's hope we can make, make yeah. some more. And if
1: you're listening, fellas, yeah, when you're up here, let's catch up.
0: Yeah, well, I'll tell them that. Um, Yeah, they'd be, I'll tell you what, some of these stories from what they've done. And, they, you know, they, they film a lot of different shows and through the top end and everywhere as well. So, yeah, very interesting guys and bloody good, bloody good fellas. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, we can't wait to see ash and tommy again and um yeah and just thankful to all the i know i know there's so many more i could mention and and um yeah and we we are very thankful to you all for everything that you've done and yeah so appreciate it and um yeah so no, we've had a lot of laughs with it and yeah it's been a good thing and it's yeah hopefully made people aware of it and so i've really enjoyed it Stephen. i just want to be able to do more filming moving forward to be honest you know um we're in some pretty tough times now. Like a lot's changed since you and I spoke mm, last, isn't which is it?
1: It's about 12 months ago or not. Or yeah. Just over, I think,
0: you know, and I did say in the last podcast that, you know, we've got hard times coming, you know, and we've had these amazingly high prices. And yeah, it's, it's been a pretty scary concept, actually. And, um, yeah. And as we know, the markets have collapsed and it's making it very, very difficult for not only Northern Territory farming families, but you know, all round Australia. I mean, who would have thought that cattle prices would have courted, interest rates would have tripled, and uh, Queensland and New South Wales have been through a drought. I mean, and now the talk whole about, country's
1: on fire. There's a pretty good fire yeah. break between like <laughs> yeah. Mount Isa and Broome.
0: Yeah, you know, and I mean, isn't it just amazing that you know how how things change and. The only thing that hasn't changed is the price of our product in the bloody supermarket, so I don't really know what's going on there. You know, whether it be sheep, cattle, everyone's in the same boat. Mate, all of Australia is struggling, and that's something we can all relate with. And, um yeah, I'm, I'm bloody concerned, Steph. I really am concerned, and I don't know where the end of it is. And, unfortunately, that's been a testament to the season that we've had. And that's one thing I am really upset about is that, you know basically our budget was going to cost us a million dollars more to execute and we were looking at 2 million dollars less revenue you know it, it wasn't worth us to do it so we've been doing other things and you know flying a bit doing a bit of trucking and our year's been sort of turned upside down to be honest and and it's been a really hard thing you know we've these you know 10 people that haven't been employed by us this year because there's no money in in the markets for us and I really, really hope that it, that it is going to change and change soon. You know, this, this cloud that's hanging over us, you know, commodity price wise is, um, it might be around for a little bit yet. You know, I hear Queensland's, you know, got rain now. And so, I mean, I just hope that, you know, prices can lift a bit and, and everyone can survive and get through, you know, cause at the end of the day, we are a very, you know, we're a very tight knit community, the cattle industry and, um, yeah and always we want us to do the best by our animals and the and produce the best meat in the world and um yeah it's very hard to do so and with the current climate
1: I just want to say thank you for for sharing that because I think that transparency is so important and such a privilege for people to hear I know, especially, you know, you had the same in your last episode showing, you know, how you guys went through such hard times to get to where you are now and now showing people that, like, you know, just because you've come through that doesn't mean it's smooth sailing from here on out until, you know, the end of days. Like, that, you don't know where you're going to be in 12 months' time and, and yeah, it sucks that it's, we're kind of, you know, you've already been through that and now you're kind of looking at some more tough times.
0: The one common factor is that everybody is struggling. And it's and that's one thing I find extremely hard, and and especially food prices. You know, we're only getting what two dollars, two dollars twenty now for a feed of steer, dollar ninety for heifers. Supermarket, look at that, mate. You can't afford to buy it, and it's you know an upward of thirty, fifty dollars a kilo, some of it. We, we need some stability in, in all aspects of Australian life at the moment. Well, yep.
1: I just, I think it, it's a stark reminder of how quickly things can change. Oh, absolutely. And that you're never really safe, like unless you've got a yep. massive bucket of money, no doubt, like you're yep. really never safe.
0: But yeah, look, I mean, I have high hopes for this country and I love this country. I suppose we've just got to trust in the system and yep, it's, we're going to see a lot more, we're going to see a lot of hurt, I reckon, over the, the next few months, but Let's hope that everyone from all walks of life and professions, we can all get through the other side of it and try and get this country back pumping again. You know, like it's, it's what we do. You know, New Zealand and Australia are two countries who pioneer and lead by example. And, you know, we've got the best live export practices in the world. You know, everyone is good at what they do. I just wish we would be allowed to, you know, actually achieve those things and create some stability. Um, otherwise a lot of people are going to suffer.
1: So, when we catch up in another 12 months' time, well, catch up with the microphones in front of us. I might be living gonna- in a
0: cardboard box <laughs> oh, in the River, busking. <laughs> well, I've
1: got a, I've got a, a room downstairs at my house if I'm still, if I can still uh, afford yeah. to pay my mortgage. So, oh,
0: no. It'll be yeah. all right. Uh, it it's a great be. time to
1: go on maternity leave, you know, and stop yeah. making money.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, a bloody hard one, all right. But, Hopefully,
1: um, you're going to be like, Steph, I caught 40 million billion bulls this year and uh, it's been
0: great. I'm having major withdrawal symptoms too. It's a hard thing. Well, like, it's a
1: huge part of your identity. It
0: is. And, you know, especially in the air, you know, like I've I've done less than a quarter of the flying that I normally do. I've got a brand new helicopter. Do you remember how
1: to turn it on? Yeah, a little bit.
0: Yeah. Well, I'd have to, I'd, you know, I still get a little bit of flying around here, you know, I'm still shifting cattle about that. Uh, unsailable at the moment, you know, because, I mean, there's no boats. And um, so I've still got to shift them and carry on for our day-to-day stuff. But, yeah, I'm not doing the flying that I used to. And, um, yeah, I'm just hoping everything comes back next year.
1: I've taken up a fair amount of your time so far That's today. Right, I appreciate right. it. It is – I don't even want to know what temperature it is. You know what? It might not even be that hot, but, man, the humidity. There is a big yeah. difference between Adelaide River and Catherine.
0: Oh, it's huge, isn't it?
1: Oh, I feel like I'm just melting here. I'm like a little snowman. Um before we start to wrap up though we were talking a bit about people safety and I can't remember if I asked you or I was going to ask you about animal safety as well. So I'll jump back to um we'll we'll go start with animal welfare first yep. and then we'll we'll talk cuz I know yeah that safety is a really big thing for you. Uh-huh. So and obviously bull catching it can be quite easy for it to have a bad name. Uh-huh. Um so how do you make bull catching safe and and you know what animal welfare exists within bull catching?
0: Well, just, you know, I mean, it comes back to everything having, I mean, trying to have, you know, good gear and good people to operate it. And yeah, a lot of it, you know, is trial and error from when you start and you, you learn better practices as you go and, um, talking to, you know, like, you know, great people who know the industry well, like, you know, Kurt Hammer. He, I mean, he knows more about buffalo than bloody near anyone, you know, and I've learned a hell of a lot off Kurt, you know, and just about how to look after the buffalo and, I think that's the best thing is just trying to put all those practices into your operation and, you know, treating the buffalo with utmost respect, understanding how they run and their patterns and learning about that and, and, you know, having that water on hand all the time. You've got to have those thousand litre pods when the firefighters there and, like, we, we will not catch if there's, if we don't have the pods there. Like, sometimes you're sitting there, helicopter's running, but you're waiting on the water cart to arrive. You do not want to arm anything until it's there. You know, and looking after the animals that way, tipping them appropriately when they're in the tree, tying them properly, you know, so the ropes don't slip down and, you know, go into the eye sockets or anything. It's just like every single thing has to be top-notch. And then the final preparation of um, watering them down on the tree and then, yeah, getting them home looking after them properly, given they just love swimming pools. They're so, buffalo. You know, the the bigger water you can put, the deeper the water and the mud and everything, and they just love it. And they're just like big pigs hanging out there. And then getting them onto the pallet, introducing it slowly, finding the right hay. I've always, you know, found that, like, good jarra-type hay in a tiny bit of cavalcade's right. You know, nutrition's a big thing for them. And then, you know, and, and then once they start quietening down and getting them um you know and they're eating well and that that's when we can shift them up to adelaide river here you know and then they really start eating their pallet and then so when they go to the export yard they're coming off the truck and they're running down the race getting scanned in running into their pen and heads down eating pallet the export yard is you know they don't have to train them and get them ready for the boat like we try and have all that done so that it's a smooth transition right through to the end stage where they exit the boat in malaysia it's up to us to, to do the best thing we can, um, for the industry. And as I say, I've been pretty lucky with down to the, the guys that I've got working for me through to like Lizzie spends an amazing amount of time with the buffalo, just walking around them and keeping them quiet and making sure they've got plenty of food, plenty of water and, and just little tricks you learn. As I was saying, like open all the gates in the yard so they know what a gate is. They know how to walk through it. And if you get all those simple things right, the rest of it, you know, comes pretty easy.
1: I know I said earlier that when you're talking about uh, catching your first bull and how everyone's kind of got their job, I said it was like a puzzle and you need all the pieces to be able to see the whole picture and, and get that end result. When you are talking about particularly, you know, like don't go start catching, say, a buffalo unless you've got the water carts there, I guess- so, are there times where you've had to walk away or, I guess, fly away from an animal, whether it's a, like a bull or a buffalo or a buffalo bull or whatever, Um, because just, you know, of all the boxes you need to tick before you start that process of of pursuing them to catch them? Oh, absolutely. One yeah. thing, one box isn't ticked, whether it's like, you know what, they're just a little bit too far from a flat, Like, you yep. know, they're going to get- tough, 100%. Or there's not- yeah, we haven't got the water car or I don't know what else other examples yeah. are but something one little piece isn't quite right so we just we can't start this process. Can't start.
0: Yeah. Yep, absolutely. No, everything's got to be top notch and and ready to rock and yeah as I say I don't I don't like taking buffalo long distances. Um so we grade and bulldoze to get to where they are mm. and then we you know use the good flats that are there to do it. Yeah, you've just got to try and limit yourself from running them too far. Um you know because um, a big thing with that is that they can get pneumonia and they don't necessarily get it there and then. That's when they it could be three weeks later that it really affects them. And that's when they could be in the export yard. So, you know, and we don't want that. So, yeah, it's about doing the best thing you can to make sure, you know, to give the exporters a good crack at selling them for you. So, yeah, you've, um, you've got to make sure all the links in the chain are right. And yeah, and some days it is, it just gets too hot, absolutely too hot. So it's just not pull up stumps and gone. Yep, leave them.
1: Sounds like you run a pretty tidy show and well, we try to stick I've, Steph, I've but never I'm been sure, there so I've know. got i I'm going to, you know.
0: Well, we try and do the best that we can and yeah. the best for not only our staff but obviously the animals. Yeah, so I think as long as we've got that concept and that mindset and and sight then yeah that hopefully will be a right ingredient moving forward. Well, but
1: on the other hand, life is life and there are always things that don't go to plan. So as we wrap up um do you want to maybe share a few stories about when things haven't gone right? You know, you've had a lot of wins, but I'm sure you've had oh, losses, mate, some losses, some funny, some scary. But
0: as Yeah, I've had more kicks in the asses than I have pats on the back, I'll tell you. <laughs> and but, most of uh, those
1: coming from Lizzie, not from the cattle. Oh, no, no,
0: she's been good. But I mean, yeah, look, I mean, we have, you know, there's been a few incidences. And I remember just a simple thing like an animal, a bull that went, you know, as we're loading them on the trucks and it, come up through the race and, you know, and we crushed them there and put a NILS tag in and tip them before they go on a truck. And so they're a lot safer in anyway. And it went into the loading ramp and we're able to block it. And then we just, it would not walk backwards, back down into the crush. There was a bar there. It was just seemed to, you know, it's, it's hind end would just sort of just hook on that bar rather than, and not allow it to walk back into the crush. And um, it's really hard if you miss them, they're really hard to get back in. And anyway, so I was like, it's all right. I'll just, I'll just head rope it and, and, Um, Just pull it to the side of the loading ramp and do it. And just jumped up there, you know, trying to, thinking about the other like 200 balls we've got behind us to do. And I was just wanting to get it done quickly. And I jumped over, got over the top of it. And just as I went to put the rope over its head, it just turned its head slightly and lifted straight up and thumped me right in the chest. Oh, tell you what, man, it gave me a shock. And I was out. I thought, I am out of its way. It's not going to get me from here. I was safe. It bloody did. Oh, my God. And I put my hand down there like I got, it felt like someone hit me with a sledgehammer. right? And my first concern, I was just trying to get off the loading ramp. But my first concern, and I couldn't breathe properly. And I was like, oh, no, it stabbed it straight through into me. And I jumped down and, luckily, and everyone sort of ran towards me. And luckily, but I just put this massive scratch right up through to my chest and up my throat there. And, you know, that could have been a very different outcome. And then... Lizzie got smoked about four years ago. We were loading at one catching job we were at and trucks had all gone and I had arrived back in my truck and oh sorry, I'd arrived back in the helicopter and landed and another truck was coming to load. So we always have this rule, you never leave bulls in the race leading up to the crush and then onto the truck, you know? Always leave them in the just in the force. I don't like them in the, in the race there. And Lizzie's like, mate, I'd got them in. Well, the guys had got them in and we did not want to let them out. And I can understand that fully, but I wasn't real happy. I was like, me dead. You know, they could get a horn under that and just tear it. And I was walking towards them and I was just going to pull the slide gate and let them go, just let them reverse out. And Lizzie was under, um, she just was sorting out the smoko bag and that not far away. And anyway, as I went to pull the slide, this bull just put his head down and just tore these fifty eight kilo panels that we had there in the race, just ripped it, just ripped the, one of the one of the panel pin guides off it. And two balls come straight out. And I went, Lizzie Like that. Lizzie had time to turn and she was just on her um knees there packing up smoker bag. She got one leg up like that and the ball was right on top of her and it just flipped her in the air like she was nothing. Just ragdolled her. And I was running straight towards her and nothing I could do. And then I got there just as the second ball. And so the first ball got Liz and it ripped her up like that, straight in the end, kept on running. And then as she came come down, it hooked her again. And then the second ball was right behind her. And the second ball put his head down, coming into Lizzie, and then just lifted his head and did a bunny hop and jumped straight over and carried on. That was close. That was very close. So the argument is... If I hadn't gone up to let the balls go, would they have got out? So, oh, it was it was bloody frightening though. But I mean, you know, simple rule like that it was overlooked. I'd arrived back, landed, yeah, and I was pissed off that we'd even allowed that to happen, and that was the result. But I might have caused it, like it maybe I don't know. But anyway, unfortunately, it was what it was, and um,
1: somebody would have had to walk up to Put pressure on them to get them to go forward, I yeah. 100%, they anyway, probably so would have done it
0: then, but yeah. I was just bloody. We were so lucky that we still got Liz with us, to be honest. Like, that, and
1: yeah, what, should what, were have her hit her hard.
0: Like, yeah, geez, I've got some photos of it. The worst thing was we had my sister's wedding mm-hmm. like 10 days later, and Liz is just battered and bruised, and big scars and scabs all over her face, and she's very sore. Liz every morning before she's going bull catching, putting on the bio oil and everything like that, trying to get rid of the scars so she'd Aww. look all right in the wedding photos. <laughs> <Yeah. Aww.
1: laughs>
0: so um, anyway, That's, poor Liz. But, that yeah. story
1: sounds so familiar um,
0: and like
1: like a story, I don't know if you've listened to the episode with Jane and Hayden Sale about her accident with a bull, bull coming out of a race, flipping a panel and then going oh, like that. Uh,
0: a hairs on the back of my neck still stand up when I hear that podcasting eh? and what jane went through oh my god yeah that's yeah very similar yeah very very similar and um yeah but we were lucky lizzie didn't sustain any of the injuries and that jane did you know it was a situation where yeah i mean she was pretty badly beaten up liz and um yeah took a bit for her to get over it that's for sure
1: is that just going to be a lifetime now of well remember when you did this
0: oh no liz (laughs) is pretty good she doesn't hold grudges i mean it is what it is and yeah, You're a better
1: I mean, woman than I, Liz.
0: <laughs> be a, yeah, I I'd mean, be you've got to up. learn. Got to learn from it, that's for sure. Yeah. But I mean, there's been all sorts of little things happen like that. I mean, remember one night we're sitting there and we're picking up. You know, I, I quite often I like picking up um, buffalo bulls at night, or just you know, just on dark. Um, you know, those ones that we've caught in the morning or whatever, we pick them up. And um, I remember I'd driven over with the other catcher, and we're sitting there at a tree with a buffalo, just waiting for the truck to arrive, and then we'd rearm it put it on and then we just heard this it turned the catcher off pitch black just sitting there quiet and then we just heard this snap like that and it was the rope snapping and it was a big ball and then snap and then just silence and I was like oh and I just went to and I thought just sit here for a minute and I was, cause I was thinking he was on a big flat so I thought at least I'll just see what he's going to do and then I can um turn the catcher on and I'll just arm him again Oh, the next thing, the catcher just started like rocking about and he just ran straight to the catcher and into it. So I had to start it, yeah, start it and turn the lights on and then we did a circle and gone. Did not see it. It was disappeared. Do you
1: think he ran into the catcher on purpose or was it like bad night? He ran oh, into
0: God, that it. That sounds he was like, a to moment, like, it was like a Jurassic
1: Park moment. It was like
0: a Jurassic Park moment. The T-Rex
1: is out of its pen and you're yeah. like, oh, where is it? And then it pops up behind you.
0: Oh, it was there. Oh, that was gosh. a pretty lucky one. But, I mean, look, you get the normal knots, I mean, like my hands, I've got scars all over them from you know. You're always getting tips that are hitting you, horn tips that are you know hitting you or whatever, and you get knocked around a bit. But I mean, it's sort of it goes hand in hand with the job too, you know. And and I mean, yeah, we we absolutely love it and touch wood, you know. This is we want to try and keep improving on it and and just making sure that safety and and our staff are well looked after and um you know. And it is getting harder and harder with insurances and everything now. Like we're almost. Well, theoretically, I mean, we are getting priced completely out of the market with insurances and accountabilities. That's the bloody hard thing now. Um, yeah, so it's 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 a very hard thing to explain to an insurance company of what we do yeah, and
1: without them free and you. how
0: they and you know we've been lucky we've got a pretty cool insurance company in that, but trying to explain to them and then come up with a premium and yeah, but unfortunately we've got to have it, mm-hmm. you know, because I mean that's. Yeah, I suppose it's not if it's when. Um, you know, and but as long as we can, um, you know, keep our wits about us and keep training people, and and I mean, we're always learning ourselves too. You're always learning new, new methods and that. So we'll, um, yeah, we'll keep pumping along and keep it going. And yeah.
1: All right. So I have chewed up a, a fair part of your day, but before I ask you the last question, I guess we spoke about in your last episode how important it is to have like good mentors and a support network and people around you who kind of help you get where you want to go and be better with everything you've done through the last 8 years of of buffalo catching um and you know oh sorry and, and bull catching or we'll just call it catching and you started off kind of from scratch and now you've got a bit of country and and you you know a world away from where you started you mentioned at the very beginning about the, the first ball catches you had and how, you know, like they were so much better than you and they were just so good. Can you, I guess, touch on them and a few other people, I suppose? I'm sure there's a few people who have kind of stood out along the way that have been really instrumental to your success.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, over the, the last few years, Steph, like we've had the most amazing staff members that have come into our lives. and. Um, you know, and they do, they sort of become basically family to you. I mean, you're living with them all year and, you know, and, and it's been an amazing, amazing time and working with all my indigenous fellas who, um, who actually own Bohemia and we lease it off them and I'm so thankful to them too for giving us the opportunity to be at Bohemia. And, um, it's just been amazing. And, you know, Desmond's been a, a hell of a good person for Lizzie and I and, and he's taught us so much about the land and and a lot about Bohemia and um you know and he's caught bulls for a long time for me too. And you know, Patrick and Louie and Tino you know, it's just it's been a an amazing time. And Ricky Bobby, he used to drive one of the hazers. That is uh, best Ricky name Bobby, ever. you know Ricky Bobby, you know who you are. You're a bloody great in that hazer. So yeah, we we've had a lot of good people and um, you know, right down to Prancy, Bailey, Cheryl, Cody Jack Heyman, young pilot, just top fellas, and we've, um, yeah, we've been very, very lucky. Adam and Liv, um, we're bloody fantastic as well. And, but I mean, definitely as far as you know, mentors go, over the last sort of three years, um, as I say, you know, with Sam Woods, our accountant. We've been very lucky with Sam, and then a new one out of uh, West Coast uh, Wool and Livestock, Jack Maloney, does uh, most of our selling of cattle and/or buffalo. Jack's boss and one of the heads of West Coast, um, Jeff Geary has just been absolutely instrumental for Liz and I. You know, one of the reasons we are here up and here in here and these properties is, you know, we, Jeff Geary helped us so much with, um, not only lending money to buy trade cattle or, you know establish more of a herd at Bohemia. but he works so closely with phil um our, our bank manager and sam developing concepts of how we can buy property how we're going to pay for them and timings and stuff and you know no matter what problem we've got jeff you know i talk to him probably once a week if um if not a bit more but he we have been very very lucky to have someone like jeff on our side and he's just been amazing and he just handles everything and he's like no worries just leave it with me and he's got so many contacts and he just you know he he's an amazing fella and i really feel sorry for rachel for his wife because i take up a lot of jeff's time and um even when he goes on holiday i still every now and then have to send a mayday call that we need him but he's always been there for us and um you know i just i can't thank the boys at west coast and and jeff Gary for everything he's done like helping us do that sale down in long reach that time and all the links in the chain that went through to getting to that position to then be able to buy the second place. And that was the plan that Jeff came up with. We were very lucky with timing then of droughts and versus floods and feed everywhere and people rebuilding herds. And it was just great timing and foresight by him. Yeah, him and Jack. And it's been great. And just having those people in your life, you know, you feel a lot safer too. And, you know, and they're not afraid to tell you that, no, that is a really bad decision or, Yes, this can work and you know, and I'm gonna rely on them a lot now. Sam especially. And I think that's the big thing. Like Phil, we're bank manager, Sam the accountant, Jeff as um, you know, basically head of finance and that and um and Jack was selling, like, yeah, we're gonna have a pretty tough year and I say we're gonna get to know each other even better because we're gonna be spending a lot of time on the phone working out how to circumnavigate through this next twelve months, working out the plan to get there. So, um, yeah, it's gonna be an exciting year, I suppose, Steve. I suppose you'd say it's good too. So
1: it sucks that you're coming into tough times again, um, like you know you've already been through that in New Zealand, but it's also really heartening to hear that you've kind of got this team around you of people that you know different experiences, different skill sets, you know, to bounce ideas off, get advice from. That you've got a good network to kind of make a real like, make a plan, and you know you're gonna give this everything you've got.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's going to be about diversification, and um, I think at the moment, like we've sort of got to do anything to make a buck. <laughs>
1: only fans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, if I if there's not Can a you day imagine that? If there is not a day that goes by that me and my partner don't joke about it because we're like, I'm going to sell I, f- pictures of our feet or OnlyFans. Like, I come joked on.
0: about that the other day. I was like, I said to a fellow, I'm going to, I'm going to over yeah, apply for the manager's job at Subway, and <laughs> um. And start an OnlyFans page, but I just like <laughs>
1: yeah, get the I don't, whole I'm new meaning to a football. Foot
0: <laughs> God, I don't think I'm going to fucking make any money out of that one. So, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's going to be about diversification, and um, you know, we're looking at different options and that. And um, I've got a, a cousin over in Scotland, the Cooks, and the well, the Pottingers, which was my mother's maiden name. Um, so we've got a, a whole tribe over in Scotland, and. Um, you know, and a big shout out to to Reynold, um, Reynold Pottinger over there in Scotland. I'm sure you'll be sitting in your tractor right now, feeding, feeding your nice Oswalt Angus cattle, and the rain and the snow. I
1: can say probably freezing his butt off. And also, hi. <laughs>
0: yeah, hi, Reynold. But yeah, um, you know what they've had to do, and the diversification they've done on their place, where they've actually been taking their own beef, and they've started an abattoir, and they've been going really strong, and um, they've been able to change change their core business because of necessity because yeah they weren't getting any money for their animals so I talk a lot with Reynolds and even though he's on the other side of the world you know it's it's wonderful to see what they're doing and and they face similar challenges to what we do so yeah no look I I think it's going to create new opportunities I think the next 12 months we're going to see a lot of a lot of different things happening who knows maybe that's what we need to do
1: well that ties in really beautifully to my final question Which is different this time. I've decided to try out something different this episode. Guys, I've been asking the same question for yonks. Yep. If you could go back to Willie eight years ago when he was starting this whole show, what would you say to him?
0: Hmm. It would have been to find a mentor like Jeff Geary a lot earlier and someone who who could have helped me develop a breeder herd a lot faster you know, so I could have capitalized on, um, you know, the, the commodity prices that we've seen sort of 2020 onwards well, through to now. Um, Yeah, that, that's probably my biggest regret is not establishing that herd faster. And the way I could have done that was with, you know, a mentor, someone like Jeff, who, who would have found a way to help me do it. Yeah, so I, I definitely feel that that's probably the biggest one because the, the hardest problem with a bull catching operation is that you're relying on your on your animals you've caught sell to, um, you know, to make bank. And unfortunately, we've had a lot of beautiful cattle that have come through, but we've needed to sell them to make payments and pay wages and set us up for the next one. So, um, yeah, I definitely feel if we could have done that sort of it faster, yeah, that would have been, we have been in a lot better position today.
1: And, all right, final question. Look at me coming up with them on the spot. If we took you from the beginning of this journey eight years ago and we could transport him to today and sit him here at the table, what do you think he'd say to you?
0: I reckon he'd be be proud that we um, got to where we have, you know, with the resources that we've had available to us. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's been a hell of an adventure and I'm just so happy that we've been able to share it with so many people, you know, who've worked for us or people that have come over to visit or whatever and You know, we, we've worked hard. I think that's probably the biggest accomplishment for us. And as you know, getting those two kids off to school now and they're growing up pretty quick. I definitely, I definitely think, yeah, eight years ago, I'd be proud, proud of where I am today. That's for sure. And also very thankful the people that have helped me.